Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we have a new sponsor on board. It's a beef company. Alito, Texas, 14 cattle company. Locally owned and operated to provide all natural farm-raised beef from farm to table. They deliver. You buy whole beef, a side of half a beef, a quarter beef. They'll bring it to you. It's delivered, packaged. Meat prices are extremely high in the grocery oh, stores right now. Crazy. This Seven dollars for yep. ground beef. Yep. We. But some guy bought roast the other day. It was thirty dollars for a freaking roast. Ooh. You can get this. The prices are competitive. It's going to be cheaper than what you're paying at the market. You get the whole cow, steaks, hamburger, roast, whatever you want. You can have it done. Custom order. Brisket. Brisket. Custom order it, and that's fourteen cattle company out of Alito, Texas. What's that phone number, Andy? It is. You can call Jordan Smith over there. Two five four. 396-0821, 14 Cattle Company, Meet the Difference. See what I did there? Yeah, you, M-E-A-T. Meet the Difference. Meet the Difference. Support your local guys. I mean, this is what this is about. Everybody, there's beef shortage everywhere. It's not a shortage. They got cows everywhere. They're just packing houses. So go buy local. It's cheaper. The quality of meat is better, and you know what you're getting. And it's not some cow from Brazil or China or somewhere. 14 Cattle Company. All right, let's talk about dive bomb a minute. Let's talk about them. The best silhouette on the market, most affordable price. Now they're not just in the in the skinny business; they are in the floater business. They're going to have mallard floaters out at the end of the summer, right in time for waterfowl season. They look pretty good. The widgeon silhouettes look damn good. They got widgeon silhouettes coming out also. So if you're like us hunting those uh, widgeon in the winter wheat field, I would highly recommend uh, you jump on those whenever they launch. Yep. Get Should them, be here pretty quick. Shoot them over the salad shooters. Divebombindustries.com is their website if you are looking for converting your spread from full bodies because, let's face it, in 2020, you don't need full bodies anymore. They take up too much room. They're clunky. They're a pain in the ass to set out. Skinnies are the way to go. Pack them in the bags. Five dozen per bag. Nice and neat on your trailer. Organized all season long. And you want numbers on your side. Numbers are key. So, go to divebombindustries.com, get everything that you're going to need because we've turned the calendar into June now, which means we're right in the middle of everything. When we get to July, we've turned a corner. So, get everything that you're going to need, divebombindustries.com. We are also brought to you by the one and only Boss Shot Shells. They're the best shot shells that you can get on the market. Bismuth is back in style. They hit very, very hard. It's very, very violent whenever you hit a bird with bismuth. You only need one. You only need one. Give them your full load, full choke, center center mass. Just crumble them. Guys like me that are good shots on over under, two shells, two dead birds. Andy shoots three shells, a lot of times no dead birds. But it ain't because of his ammo. It's because he doesn't hit them. If you can hit them like I can, you, one is all it takes. Boss ammo. I hit them just fine. Our boss shot shells. Bossshotshells.com. Sell them by the case. Ship straight to your door. No middleman. All made in America. Proudly. Proudly made in America, I should say. Bossshotshells.com. And how about them J2 ice rippers? The J2 ice ripper. Listen, if you're in a place where ice, where your favorite honey hole gets iced over, you need a J2 ice ripper. Make you an ice hole. Best bait in the world is water. Open water. Open water. If it's cold up north and you're hunting and you and every year you get froze out and you lose the last month of season, great investment. They're on sale right now. A little over $500 to the door. American made, Missouri made, J2 ice rippers. It really is. It's a cheap investment. There's no season in letting Mother Nature just wreck your season. Go to J2OutdoorsLLC.com. 
get one of these bad boy ice rippers shipped straight to your door. Whenever it ice is over, you throw that bad boy out. Be the only game in town with an open ice hole. And if you're field hunting this year, you got to have some lucky ducks. That's the key to the duck hunting in the field. These guys all the time are talking about duck hunting, duck hunting. Man, we're going to hunt in the field, going to hunt in the field. Throw some spinners up. You put you put six to ten spinners in a spread, and those ducks are like candy coming to you. That's all you need is some spinners. And they're, that's Lucky Duck. And if you want the most spacious blind on the market, you go to LuckyDuck.com, get the Lucky Duck 2x4. It is the way to go. It is the cat's meow. And they got an awesome duck box, so check it out at Lucky And they're now five-star crash test rated with their brand-new door on these dog boxes. So you don't have to worry about throwing Fido in the back of the truck. He's going to be safe and sound. Five-star crash test rating at LuckyDuck.com. You can pretty much go there for whatever you're looking for. I'm Spinners, blinds, dog boxes. In my head, I'm thinking about them crash testing this dog dummy. Like they did the people <laughs> dummy. I'm like, what the hell? Do you think there's sensors in that? I, I assume there must be to do that. I just When you said that, I started thinking about thinking, what the fuck do they do here? Maybe they, you don't think may, about may, dogs. Maybe they just put a baby in, like a baby dummy in there. You, you just don't think about dogs being in an accident until when you said that. I mean, all the time people flip their trailers. Yeah, fucking when them so. submissions be launched off. Whew. And like I've said before, you can say something about someone's wife, but you can't say nothing about their dog. No, so protect your investment there. Go get a Lucky Duck uh, dog kennel. And let's talk about our brother, Logan Pyatt. The Looking Glass Duck Club. He's also got a podcast now, Looking Glass Duck Club Podcast. They do a bourbon review on they it do every a week. bourbon review on it. Jeff's a big fan of the bourbon review. I'm not a brown water guy. We've noticed everybody that listens to podcast realizes that you have whiskey milk. sours are good though. You but have milky just way with your. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of your whiskey sours, but that's just me. You didn't like it? Yeah, it's all right. It wasn't great. Well, but you make a damn good tomahawk, so I'll give you that. The guys over at the Looking Glass Duck Club, they're a lot of fun to listen to, so be sure to check them out wherever you listen to this podcast. You can definitely find the Looking Glass Duck Club podcast. Just type it in. It's right there. They're a lot of fun to listen to. They've also got uh, merch on sale, hoodies, pullovers, coolers, all with the Looking Glass Duck Club. Iconic symbol. Oh, boy. Shotgun with a rifle scope on it. Shooting at ducks out of the sky. Hence the name Looking Glass Duck Club. Good guys over there. Real, real fun to be a part of this podcast with. Uh, We're also brought to you by Pacific Calls. The guys over there make a make an outstanding goose call, uh, lesser call, the best spec call in my opinion that's on the market right now. Guys in the closed group uh, just a couple days ago were wondering what spec call to get. I said, you just go to the guys at Pacific, tell them we sent you. There's a promo code, BHP25. You go to PacificCustomCalls.com, you use the promo code BHP25, save yourself 25% off at checkout. It's a great deal. It is a great deal, and if you're in the market for a speckle belly call, it's the easiest bull spec call I've ever gotten my hands on. They got two or three different Canada Goose calls, one lesser call. They got it going on over there. They got it going on, and like I said, you can save some money. BHP25, PacificCustomCalls.com. Last but not least, no, 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 not last but not least, we're also brought to you by William and Chris Wines. Texas-made wine made in high Texas. Gets you a red next time you throw some steaks on the barbecue. Uh, the skeleton key is by far my favorite. You can go to williamandchriswines.com and they'll ship it to you, or you can find it at Central Food, no, Central Market, Whole Foods. Foods. Yes, you did our time. All the high-end grocery stores. All the high-end grocery stores. If they ask if you'd rather have paper or plastic at checkout, 
good chance you're going to find William and Chris Wines there. Or, like I said, williamandchriswines.com. Get it shipped straight to your door. Last but not least, Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Home of the Big Honker Podcast and the Big Honker Lodge. Dove season is up next. We are a mere 90 days away, 90 days and some change. It'll be on us like a bad fart before too much longer. Hunting season's here. Dove season's here. We do have an opening second weekend. Second weekend in September, I've got an opening, and I've got an opening in the fourth weekend of September. Second second weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Will till season be open Till season's open then, too. So if you want to shoot, I can do teal dove combo the second weekend in September. So if you want to come to Texas and shoot some teal and some dove, holler at me at 940-658-3172 or stanfieldhunting.com. Appreciate you listening. Join the close. If you're listening to the podcast religiously, join the close page. I've got to answer two questions. Do you listen to it? Yes. What's your favorite episode? 300, whatever. And then you're in the membership. A lot of fun stuff in there. A lot of inf- interesting information. Don't have thin skin, though. Nope. If you've got thin skin, it's not a place to join. We appreciate everybody listening. Yep, not a place for liberals. Anyways, thank y'all for listening. God bless y'all, and um, hope everything's great. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this episode of the podcast, our guest is uh, old dear friend Scott Tarwater. Scott has been, I got my kids out here. Uh, Scott is in the uh, restaurant business. Scott is in the uh, hotel, the hotel business. His mentor was Mr. John Q. Hammond. John Q. Hammond is uh, a giant whenever you look at the... uh, hotel and real estate business uh this guy he has so many life experiences with some of the biggest hitters in america right now um incredible podcast talking to guys like this that have been immersed in in life like like he has been and made some of the connections that he has it really is fun to listen to so we really hope that you enjoy it here he is scott tarwater Okay, all right. Three, two, one. Boom, and welcome to the Big Honker Podcast, brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I'm Andy Shaver, the one and only Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. With us today is a good personal friend of ours, a hotel entrepreneur, a very, very good friend of ours from the Metroplex, uh, my good friend Scott Tarwater. Scott, how are you doing, sir? You know, Jeff, I'm better now that I'm... At the Big Honker with <laughs> you and Andy. You spent a lot of time here. I've spent some of my most favorite times in the world with my son and my dear hunting friends for many years here. We The first time I met you, we had a horrible experience for a hunt. Um, someone, I, th- I think, did you win the hunt at a Ducks Unlimited? I did. And um, you brought Reese and Uncle Dave. Right. And Dave McCall is your, one of your, your best friends, I guess, in the world. And, All time in the world. And um, your son, Reese. And Reese was, how old was Reese then? He was 13 or 14. And we went on a hunt, and it was horrible. We I scouted the night before, and I had a field, a peanut field that was loaded. And I say loaded, I'm talking 30, 40,000 geese. It was a shoe-in, slam-dunk hunt. I wasn't worried about nothing. 
It was 70 degrees that afternoon and nice. Well, overnight, Mother Nature came to see us. And she came in roaring. And it was about 25 degrees the next morning. Mm. The wind was blowing about 30 miles an hour. And all the birds off Winchester went south. <laughs> we were hunting right north of Winchester. I mean, not like they normally do in the Bettis where they'd come north. These suckers went south. We didn't see a goose for a long time. <laughs> I felt like a real asshole. Yeah. So when the hunt was over, I told Scott, I said, y'all come back and see it'll be on me. And they took me up on that offer, and we hunted next to the South Bettis, and we shot 15 to 25, 30 birds. Exactly. It was a good hunt, and Scott has been a lifetime friend, and they've hunted with us for years. And then we spent every Thanksgiving for five or six years together. He would come here, and he would cook a meal for us. And we brought we met very many interesting people through Scott. Scott's connected to everybody. <laughs> you get that way when you're in the hotel business. So that's our backdrops. Now you go ahead, Scott. Tell your stories about what your days, trips, and how we all. I mean, we broke in a lot of family members of yours here. Oh, I just uh, when I let my family members know I was coming, uh, they said, "What time are you leaving in the morning?" I said, five thirty. They said, "Oh Lord." <laughs> wish we could be there. I wish we could be there. <laughs> so my son and I and Uncle Dave, Dave McCullough, were reminiscing last night. And Dave and I said, you remember the first time we met Ron Stanfield? I said, I remember exactly. And uh, Uncle Dave and I had come out and he had invited us out. Uh, Tony was starting his pig hunting operation. So Tony was telling us about the nuances of Corning and Road and, you know, some of the early lessons he had learned about pig hunting. And so Uncle Dave had gone to get four-wheeler and filled the buckets full of corn. And I was sitting out on the old uh, car shed out here. And uh, I was sitting on a five-gallon white bucket with a lid on top. So... Next thing I know, this gentleman walks out, and he said, are you Scott Tarwater? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, well, I'm Ron Stanfield. I'm the boy's father. And I said, well, Mr. Stanfield, certainly a pleasure to meet you. And he said, I hate to bother you, but you're sitting on my bucket of rattlesnakes. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, well, excuse the hell out of me. So I jumped up right quick. I know all the blood drained out of my face. I looked like super wuss. And Ron, with a big right arm is, grabbed that bucket of rattlesnakes, spun the top off that thing, reached in, and grabbed one. Now I'm going for the oxygen. <laughs> he holds this rattlesnake bigger than my arm and my face. Said, but I don't want you to worry about his guy. I've stapled their lips together. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, I can't wait to tell Uncle Dave about this. Yeah. So he said, so he started explaining to me, see, I gather these up. And some of my milk for venom and some of my, most of them I stapled their lips together and I, I trained my dogs with them. He said, I'd take them out, put them under a bush or a rock or something, throw a dummy out there, and these pups get out there and they get too close to that rattlesnake. I light them up. (laughs) And I thought, man, maybe I could try this for my kids. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how you met Ron Stanfield. That's how I met Ron Stanfield. (laughs) And it has been 
a fabulous, fabulous relationship ever since then. My son, Reese, and Dave and I were visiting last night. It, the, the best thing about a goose hunt with Ron and the Stanfields is that not only is the allure of getting out there and getting a Texas tornado coming in with 10,000 geese, that even though you're laying side by side in a little dugout pit with next to your son and your other friends, it's so loud you can't even hear yourself. But in the breaks between the different waves of geese coming in, then we get the Ronisms, <laughs> we call them, and the stories from Ron, and then the world-famous Beavis would be right there by Ron's side. And Tony and another guide or two, uh, Andy was about knee-high at that time, <laughs> running between the decoys. We could barely see him. Jeff was off in the truck, yep. warm, <laughs> cuddled yep. up with a thermos full of coffee and binoculars watching us miss so that when we got back to the lodge, he would bust our ass about how many we had missed, not many how many we got. And Tony and the guide were back there, and Tony was learning the fine art of goose calling at that time. <laughs> Some of it was pretty humorous there for the first few times, but he finally got it. But the master of it all was Ron. He was mesmerizing with his stories, with his love of Mother Nature, and my son would would come home and repeat these Ronisms, and my mother, his mother, would go, "Oh my Lord, Reed. you can't tell that kind of stuff at school." Oh, Mom, I'll clean it up. And over the years, Ron, we have told so many stories about you. Uncle Dave and I were talking last night. We were sitting over in the house playing poker one night. All around the round table. Ron had caught a young pig. And just for grins, tied it to the doorknob when we'd go outside, take a leak, take a break from the poker game. And one of the guys who was goosey to begin with opened that door that pig started squealing, and I thought he was going to lose it right there. <laughs> Just for the record, yes, you hunted when I actually got it. I, that One was time. that was scary. I sent you a picture. Yes, you did. I have it. I'm going to put it up. I think you were maybe 21. I was probably 23, 24. But th but you did hunt with me when I got it. So a lot I of people did. do not realize I actually got it hunts. That's true, and. Uh, you were good at that. However, the business part of pulling, you know, I remember when you were working diligently to form the, the business component of Stanfield Hunting Outfitter. And for those of you that are listening that may not know the history as well as I do, that Ron bought Tony and Jeff down here when, he was uh, still, 
I think it was a part-time fireman at the time. No, Dad had retired. Dad, Dad yeah. still was a fireman when me and Tony started the business. And but early brought you guys. We grew up hunting out here. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's been so exciting for me to watch a vision that Ron birthed decades ago, mm-hmm. and then watch you and Tony and now Andy and I remember Zach what a peckerhead Zach was I mean, <laughs> Still is. they only made one Zach but the one of the certainly more interesting and foundational things that happened is when Michelle showed up mm-hmm. and we all kept saying oh my lord Jeff, don't you screw this up. (laughs) (laughs) And to Michelle's credit, she up early, organized, kept uh, a place clean, organized, and early days, the food flowing and the service going, and Michelle played, and still today, plays such an integral part of the progression success and the history of Stanfield Hunting Outfitters, which is probably the most successful hunting outfitter in this part of the world, year in, year out, decade, decade out. And I remember visiting with you, Jeff, and Tony and Ron years ago about you being in the hospitality business. Right. And in the dream making business. And these fathers and sons and family members that come out, you're creating lifelong dreams with them and for them. It will bring their families closer together. And we, we talked many times about when you take the time to take a young man or a young woman hunting or fishing or loving Mother Nature, you'll never have to walk the streets tomorrow looking for them. Right. My children, all of my kids are, uh, and grandkids are so fortunate that I sent you the pictures of Reese taking his daughters and three-year-old, seven-year-old, ten-year-old deer hunting. We were all together. It was the first time they'd ever field-dressed a deer. My granddaughters were right there in the middle of it, and they can't wait to go again and paisley is so upset that she's at camp because i promised her i would bring her to the big honker <laughs> <laughs> that uh when she finds out i made a run down here to see ron and have lunch with him, i'm going to be in big trouble <laughs> well you're exactly right too and i think a lot of these young guys that are maybe starting an outfit they need to realize that if if you're staking your business on hunting alone you're going to have a high attrition rate of customers because if, if they have a bad experience hunting wise they're they're not going to rebook but if you can make up for that in hospitality and creating memories and 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 that sort of thing you're gonna you're gonna create more lifetime customers that way rather than just you know because a lot of guys that they'll meet it you know all or whatever and take them out hunting and, and but if you have a bad hunt you're going to lose those guys because you're not creating anything so you really need to, to take the time 
and form a friendship, form, try to form a relationship with your customers and, and go the extra mile for them. And, uh, that's, that's how more than anything, that's how the lodge has helped us is we get guys in here and we can, you know, get them in the office and shoot the shit with them and they can hear Ron talk. Yeah. We, I don't know if that's a good thing or well, a bad thing, but when we first got in the business, it was more of meeting a guy in town, groups of guys. Then we started doing the lodging and then we, and we did that. And then when me and Michelle got married, it really changed because we started doing meals here. She quit teaching and that made a big difference for us is when, when, with the meals and everything. And it come in and me and Tony's argued a few times, Scott, you've witnessed some of that. Oh you, no. You missed a big one earlier. We had, well, no, we didn't even argue this morning. 20 minutes ago. We didn't about argue. ten minutes before you came in, Tony got all butt hurt. I thought that those, I thought that A one bottle was about oh, to come over, flying over, over here. Over a fish fillet sandwich, Scott and Tony got worked up. But Scott, Scott refereed a lot of our arguments about stuff, and it's hard being in business with family. Sometimes people don't realize that. But the difference with family is you can get mad about stuff, and it's a forgiven deal, or it is with us. I mean, like I don't care if he's an asshole; it's no big deal, you know. He told me that yesterday. He's an asshole. I said, yep. "How's Jeff? He's an asshole." See, but see that don't that, that that's the difference when families can. But if it's a business with somebody else, let, let, let's let's talk about Scott. You're in the hotel business, and I you've am. been in the hotel business for a long time, forty plus years. And you have a remarkable skill that I've never met anyone that can remember people's names like you do. I've never ever seen anyone. Scott can walk in a room with ten people, talk to all ten people, introduce himself, and can go back fifteen minutes later and tell, talk to everyone and another name. I I forget people's name when they tell it to me and they introduce me sometimes. <laughs> that's no shit. I mean, it's very very simple, Jeff. I tried to teach you years ago. Form F O R M, family, occupation, recreation, money. Yeah, but I can't remember even form. <laughs> but he does. I met the game warden the other day. Our new game warden and Dustin's not here anymore. No, he's still in Haskell County. We got a new one in Knox County. Oh, okay. So I met him. He's a really nice guy. I was like, I had to ask him three times what his name was after I met. I was going to put it in my phone. And so if somebody asked me yesterday who he was, I had to look on my phone to see who he was to remember his name. I just do not remember names for But you, you've always had that gift. Who's the most – let's go over something I want to talk about. Who's the most interesting person you've ever been around? My mentor, John Q. Hammonds. And for people that don't know, explain to him who he is. John Q. Hammonds was a gentleman who, during the Depression, uh, he's from southwest Missouri, and – he, his family were farmers, dirt poor farmers, and historic. They lost their farm during the depression, and he was a self-made billionaire, hotelier of the world. Who was my mentor, and so I travel with him every day of my life while he was alive. We had a Learjet, three wow. full-time pilots, and fifteen thousand employees. So. I had the pleasure of developing 78 hotels with him from the ground up in 40 different states. So I said, Mr. Hammonds, what, what was the most impressionable thing about? He said, Scott, when I saw my mother crying because we lost our farm, I swore at that point in time I would never be dirt poor again or owe anybody any money. So make a long story short, he came back from the war and uh, started a small construction uh, development business. And he and Roy Weingardner, uh, who owned a plumbing business, and they started building some GI homes. They got a call one day 
from a gentleman in Joplin, Missouri, that a guy needed a cement pond in this new motel he was building in Joplin. Well, long story short, it happened to be Mickey Mantle. Oh. <laughs> so John Q. and Roy got a call that this guy needed a cement pond. They drove up to Joplin. Lo and behold, Mickey Mantle is meeting with Kimmons Wilson, the founder of Holiday Inns. Kimmons Wilson is selling franchises for Holiday Inns out of his trunk for $5,000 a piece. John and Royce stepped up and said, well, hell, we'll take 10 of them. He said, to hell you will. Boy, that's 50000 cash. My office is in Memphis. I'll reserve you 10, but you got to be there Monday morning with 50000 cash. John and Roy didn't have two nickels to rub together. <laughs> so it's 100 miles from Joplin to Springfield. On the way back in Roy's old plumbing truck, they got a hold of every friend, family member they knew, scraped together $50,000 cash, jumped in John's old beat-up Cadillac, drove to Memphis, knocked on Kimmons Wilson's door. Kimmons Wilson said, welcome, boys. You got the money? He said, damn, sure do. Here's 50000 cash. He said, well, I'm sorry. I should have told you. I've been so successful selling these franchises. I've doubled the price. Oh, shit. Now it's going to be 100000 John Q. Hammond said, that's not right, but I believe in the product, and we'll be back with the other 50000 What Kimmons didn't know is John Q. and his search for the original 50000 had met C.C. Fletcher, who owned a mortgage company in Cincinnati, Ohio, and backed him in his home building business. So, C.C. Fletcher funded the other 50000 they went back. Kimmons said, I don't believe it. He said, you got a month to pick 10 sites in the U.S. So, Roy Weingartner went east of the Mississippi, picked five sites. John Q. went to the west. Years later, John Q. Hammonds and Roy Weingartner are the largest single stockholders, owners, and operators of Holiday Inns in the world. Roy has now gone from plumbing contractor to first vice chairman of the board of Holiday Inns worldwide. Wow. They start WHI, Weingartner and Hammonds, out of Cincinnati, Ohio. John Q. says, Roy, take the company, you run this, I'm going to go start my own, called John Q. Hammonds Hotels, which he did. And uh, I happened to be doing some grad work, uh, going to school at Stanford in California. My roommate got a job bartending in this beautiful new hotel in the San Francisco Bay. And uh, I was starving to death, trying to make ends meet. And he said, well, you old redneck, you ought to go in there and see if you can get a job. They might even hire you. Walked in the first floor. First guy I walked into, I didn't know it was John Q. Hammonds. He looked at me and he said, who are you and what do you want? I had the only tie I owned on that day. Cleaned the only dress shirt I had, pressed it myself. I said, I'm Scott Tarwater from 
Grapevine, Texas, and I'm looking for a job. He said, well, come with me. And he had all these plans on Dury's arm. So he took me up the 14th floor to the executive offices to meet Frank James. He said, Frank, this is, what's your name? <laughs> I said, Scott Tarwater. I said, Mr. James, I'm glad to meet you. And John Q said, John, I think this, uh, Frank, I think this boy would be a good worker. Get him a job. If he lasts a couple months, think about getting him a business card. So Frank James says, yes, okay, Mr. Hammers, thank you. John Q leaves. So he looks at me and he said, do you know who in the hell that is? <laughs> I said, no, not really. Why? He said, well, he's the largest owner of Holiday Inn in the world now. And what are you doing hanging out with him? <laughs> I said, well, I just met him in the lobby, and he brought me up here, and he said, well, all right, I'm going to get you a job. He said, I'm going to work you eight days a week, 24 hours a day. If you survive, I'll see about getting you a business card. So that was my introduction to John Gammons in the world of the hotel business, and he did. He worked my ass off. What did he have you doing? Uh, he had me starting cleaning the kitchen and picking rags and housekeeping, separating uh, good laundry from bad laundry. He taught me the business from the ground up. Then I got in the food and beverage end of it, catering, and then in front desk, and then I managed my first hotel at 27. And John Q always kept tabs on me. And so anyway, That's I rose to the ranks, and I was in Grapevine, and John Q called me, and he said, all right, Scotty, it's time. He always called me Scotty. Time for you to come to Springfield and get up here and head up my development. And I said, well, okay, Mr. Hammond. So I turned to my wife, Donna, and I said, well, He's sending his plane down to pick me up here at DFW, and I'm going to go up there and chat with him. And so we sat down, and typical of John Q, he said, here's the deal, Scotty. I want you to head up my hotel development going forward. And he said, you got a number, I got a number. So we agreed. Hit the ground running. He was the most incredible entrepreneur, developer I ever had the pleasure of working with. I had the pleasure of attending some of the highlights. 30 Final Fours with him. Wow. Uh, I got a call from Holiday Inn's Mark Snyder, the president of Holiday Inns America, he called me and he said, Scott, we're going to honor Mr. Hammonds. And we had just built the St. Louis Cardinals farm team, 11,000 seat stadium in Springfield. And St. Louis in the World Series this year playing in Detroit, we want Mr. Hammonds to throw out the first pitch of the second game of the World Series. Can you get him up there? I said, are you kidding me? You couldn't keep him away. <laughs> so I went into our offices. were right next to each other, and I went in there. And I said, Mr. Hammond, I need to talk to you. And when I did that, he knew to 
get off the phone and this was no bullshit, something serious. So we got on, he said, my God, Scotty, this this better be something good. And I thought, yeah, like I, I'd come in and interrupt you for <laughs> asking you how the weather is. So I said, Mark Snyder called. Yeah, I like Mark. What do you want? They're going to honor you at in Detroit, in the second game of the World Series. You're going to throw out the first pitch. He got a stern look on his face, looked at me, said, you better not be bullshitting me. <laughs> I said, I'm, all right, sit down here. He said, how many seats we have on the plane? So I told him. So he said, Stan Musial's going to be the first one. You call Stan, tell him we'll pick him up in St. Louis. So I had the pleasure of calling Stan. He said, Scotty, I'll bring my harmonica. I said, great, Stan. Because Mr. Hamilton wants you to play that. <laughs> so we filled the plane up with all his cronies and buddies. And then we went over and picked up Eddie Sutton over in uh, Stillwater. And uh, so Coach Sutton, such a great guy. So I got to meet all these incredible gentlemen. And we went up. When we got to the uh, Springfield Airport that morning before we got on the plane, and it was just Mr. Hamms, and I said, look, Mr. Hamms, it's just you and me in the locker room here. I want to know one thing. What's that going to be? I said, is it going to be a fastball or a curve? <laughs> <laughs> he said, shit, I just want to get it across the plate. <laughs> we don't, went on from that, and another highlight, we were sitting at a construction trailer in Pearl, Mississippi, south of Jackson looking at a project. It's about 800 degrees outside, sweating profusely, 200 degree uh, humidity, and we were always in coat and tie. So my cell phone rings, and it's Jeff Weinstein with Hotel Business, the premier rag of the hotel business. He says, Scott, I know you're always with John Q. I said, yeah, Jeff, what do you want? He said, well, we want you to know that Mr. Hammonds has just been selected as the first hotelier of the world award. I said, no shit. He said, yeah. I said, well, if anybody deserves it, he does. He said, well, look, you got to promise to have him in New York, March, whatever it was. So about 3,000 of his peer group at the Statler Hilton can't honor him. I said, okay, Jeff. So once again, I go out, and he's talking to a general contractor. All these guys said, Mr. Hammonds, I need your attention for a minute. I need you to step away. So he better be good, Scotty. Okay. So I took him to one of the little rooms in that trailer, kind of a makeshift bedroom. And I said, Mr. Hammonds, I want you to know that that was Jeff Weinstein. Yeah, I know Jeff. What do you want? Well, you've been honored as the hotelier of the world. He said, what the hell is that? I said, well, the Global Hotel Association has gotten together and decided to begin to honor people like yourself, and you're the first recipient of it. Next words out of his mouth were, Scotty, I don't deserve that. I said, Mr. Hammond, look. If anybody deserves it, you damn sure do. As a matter of fact, I've already committed that I'm going to have you and I in New York, March, whatever it was, so you can receive this award. And I've ordered a brand new pair of overalls to go. Well, okay, Scotty, if you, 
you think I need to do that. <laughs> but there were many other highlights. Yeah. John, so, I mean, I can't imagine just just the, the – he thought he wasn't worthy of, of, that, of that kind of award. No, not at all. He, uh, it just was it. I mean, to have that amount of wealth, you know, you see guy, you see developers like Trump and everything, and he's got this big bravado. John Q like that? I mean, at all? Like, did he ever pat himself on the back, give Never. himself any recognition at all? Never. Never. Gave a ton to charity too. Oh, I just the world will never know some of the checks I delivered personally to some of the more needy, some of the service members and their families. Uh, just, and I would send the pilots and the plane all over the place to do things that no one will ever know. It's not chronicled anywhere, but in my heart and in my brain, because he was the one that, or if I thought something needed to be taken care of, I would sit down with him and he would say, well, when the hell are you even asking me? Go get it done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, thanks, Mr. Hammond. See, it's people like him, too, that, that it really bother me when I see these younger kids that complain about something being named after somebody or whatever it is. People like him are the reasons we have the universities and all the stuff they have, and, and people don't understand that. No matter who, what, who a building's named after and what they've done in there, what, you know, whether it be with all the crap with the slave owners or whatever it is, 100 or 200 years down the road, people are still benefiting off of something that he gave. You know, Jeff, the, one of the overriding lessons that Mr. Hammonds also taught me is the belief in America and perseverance. Because you got to remember, he came from the Depression era. He saw every downturn in the economy, every economic crisis, the wars, all of that. After 9-11, I picked him up. We went to the office. He said, Scotty, get the boys together. That meant get 10 of our regional vice presidents of operations together in the boardroom, which I did. And he came in the room and he said, boys, now it's time to get going. He said, because everybody else is going to have the chicken little syndrome. Right. They're going to be woe is me, the world's coming to an end. All the general contractors are going to be starving to death and looking for business. He said, in the next five or ten years, we're going to build another 15 or 20 hotels, and I'm going to show you how to get two out of that that are free because (laughs) of the price savings. And now, mind you, we didn't build 100-room hotels. We built three, four, and 500-room hotels. 100,000 square feet of convention space, too. In those ensuing years, we built 16 hotels. Two for free. (laughs) (laughs) And it was... He just... uh, Yes. The 
but you know he was he was tolerant with the younger generations because we needed them mm-hmm. to work in our hotel. He understood from his rearing and his upbringing that uh, generationally they're going to piss, moan, groan, complain. Uh, nothing's fair. There's never enough money. They're never going to be paid enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> I used to get some of the kids together and tell them, I said, look, you know, Mr. Hammonds is providing you and me with an incredible opportunity. You come to work in a fabulous hotel every day. It's top of the line. You're paid a better than average wage, full benefit, health for your family, your kids, uh, provided meals, vacation time. I said, so when you're at the water cooler and you think about something's not fair, you want to piss, moan, groan, or gripe, and you want to start the corporate gossip bullshit, pick up the phone, give me a call, and let's talk about it. Some did. But the great thing about it is we created a great work culture. And when we had a bad apple, we shot them at sunrise. Yeah. You know, no ifs, ands, or buts. We were not in the project business. Some people, you will never change their attitude with facts, figures, or money. And they will infect others. We didn't tolerate that, and we shot them at sunrise. And we wanted them working for the competition because that would make our business (laughs) that much better. And I always told them, not only has your job ended here, but I've got you a bus ticket. On the next train out of town, do not let the doorknob hit you in the ass on the way out, whether it was executive or line-level employee. Yeah. It didn't matter. I know I've known that Scott's telling exactly like it is because I've heard many stories from the people he come up here about that. He's dead. He's a dead assassin when it comes to that kind of crap. <laughs> he get rid of them quick. How do, you, how do you tell somebody that their time is up? Do you just jump right to it, just have them walk in the door? and? Andy, I've been watching – your attitude and your productivity. In my humble opinion, it sucks. <laughs> I am no longer going to tolerate it, and therefore I'm ter- terminating your pos- position effective immediately. And that that's fast. it. That yeah. fast. <laughs> no, hey, how you doing? Nothing. Just Nothing, because I don't care how you doing. <laughs> <I've heard it. laughs> I cared when you, when you signed on. Now I don't give a shit how your well-being is. It's just like a friend of mine who's a, Great heart surgeon. His name is Scott also. Mm-hmm. I said, Scott, what do you do when you lose a patient? He said, you want to really know what I do? I said, well, I wouldn't ask you if I didn't. He said, I go to the door, open the door, and I holler, next. <laughs> Reality is life. Yeah. So if we're going to take the time to create such a wonderful culture, why waste our time, money, and energy on someone who doesn't care, doesn't want it, or who's a thumb sucker. Right. You know, thumb suckers are, you know. In, in, in the big business, the big hotel business like y'all had, and the big hotels you have now, 
those people have a chance to advance. Absolutely. You don't – I mean, a, a guy without a college degree or a young lady without a college degree, if she works hard, she's got a great chance to move way up in your company. I have promoted so many women in our business that it would – I mean, it, it, in the beginning, I would call them and I'd say, Marilyn, I'm going to send you to Cincinnati as the front desk manager or revenue manager or general manager. Oh, uh, what? and it would take her breath away. And she was like, well, Mr. T- I, I said, I understand. You don't think you're ready for it, but I know you are. What I'm going to do is loan you my confidence until you get yours built up. Those ladies were the most fiercely loyal management team members I ever had because when you take the time to give someone a chance like that and show them that you care, they're so fiercely loyal, it's scary. Yeah. I mean, they would get up before sunrise to shoot bad members, and then they would send me the the empty shell casing (laughs) with the employee's name on it and say, we didn't even have to worry at HR on this. Now, um, you know, you hear about this glass ceiling that women have or whatever. What's what's your experience with that? It is, you know. It's fake. It's a fake deal. Total. Yesterday, I was on the phone for work at length with one of the most articulate hotel executives in the world today. Her name is Catherine Cat Flores. She is the executive vice president. A Trump International. Wow. And self-made, mm-hmm. came up through the ranks, and we're, we're talking about retrofitting some of Trump International hotels with this new UV light technology we've got going. One of our team members has come up with a UV lighting program that attaches to the top of a uh, current elevator cab. And when it's unoccupied, this UV light comes on, kills 99.6% of all known pathogens. Wow. Especially COVID-19. And this new hotel we're getting ready to come out of the ground with in Little Elm is the first COVID-19 design hotel in the world. And we're so excited about it. And it's all the UV technology. Yes. And and copper clean. Uh-huh. Uh, copper is mother's natural pathogen uh andy if you you have stainless steel mm-hmm. in the kitchens and um, i'll show you in a little bit scientific study that shows you put your hand on stainless steel you put your hand on copper you put a pathogen with 10 million deposits on stainless steel and one on copper Stainless steel, it multiplies exponentially. Wow. Copper begins to kill it in two hours, and in several hours, it's completely gone. So by stocking copper is what you're saying. (laughs) So Reese's company, Reese is an executive partner in Smith-Hamilton. The CEO of Smith-Hamilton is a graduate of West Texas State who met a lady now, here's another lady with no glass ceiling who's the president, founder, and CEO of Buffalo Technologies out of Amarillo. 
she and her Brainiac group teamed with Texas A&M engineers and scientists there and took copper and put an alloy copper because copper turns color. Yes. So they put an alloy on it that will not turn. So no patinas on it. No patinas. And a 3M adhesive backing on it and did these copper clean patches that you can put on your... There are 26 touch points between a when a hotel client comes to a hotel and departs, there are 26 touch points. With copper clean patches, we can affix these door handles in all the touch points and rather than stainless steel in the kitchen, copper. And it won't turn because of these. What's the cost of copper compared to stainless? Minuscule. It's less? So I'll be damned. Was, I it, just, that. was it just because it would turn colors over time is that why they wouldn't uh go with right. copper to begin with but now right. the technology's this, catching up so reese's company he and his ceo because the ceo and the and emily are uh fraternal members of what west texas state she and her brainiac came up with this product prior to covid19 and didn't have a market for it never be shit now yeah so, <laughs> Reese's Sitting Company, on a mine. they serve over 3,000 banks in the Southwest. Uh, do all the technology, you know, surveillance, cameras, everything, and have quite a marketing arm. So, Matt and Reese said, Emily, we think you've got a hell of a product here, and we want to be your exclusive distributors. Reese is at least bright enough to know that he had a hold of something. <laughs> he, next call was to meet Dad. You're not going to believe what would come out of that. And I told her, there might be an application or two in the hotel business, and I might know someone that knows a few people <laughs> in the hotel business. A couple big people, too, if you're talking to Trump's Trump's team. That, that, that's amazing. Um, did, you, did, you, did you ever have cross paths with President Trump before he was President Trump? No, I was recently in New York at Trump Plaza, and I met, had the pleasure of meeting with Donald Jr. for two hours. Everybody I've known that's met him, I've met, had a lot of people I know that have met him, so he's a great guy. He knows about the Big Honker Lodge. Well, that's really? impressive. He is a big bow hunter. Yes. Mm-hmm. As you know, Uncle Dave and I morphed into bow hunting. Yep. And so we talked bow hunting a lot. His favorite thing to do in the world is to come to Texas and bow hunt. Yeah. So, I didn't have a chance to call you and ask you, but I said, Donald, let me tell you something. Anytime you want to come to the great state of Texas, I will be glad to host you in several locations. One would be the Big Honker Lodge. So, come full circle and... So I said, not only do I want a hat, I want one for all my grandsons and my grandkids. He made it happen. <laughs> and we've stayed in contact. So Reese comes up with this copper clean patch program. And he said, Dad, we just got out of a board meeting. And our owner, everybody, are big time. They're part of the West Texas Republican Mafia. And when I told him we might have a hotel 
contact or two, uh, they said, our bucket list <laughs> is to get a copper clean patch in a Trump hotel. So I said, okay. And Eric Danzinger, who's the president and CEO of Trump Hotels. Move this a little bit closer to you, Scott. Your mic. There you go. Has been a dear friend for many years. So I called Eric just to catch up on a lot of things. Eric. So we had a great chat. I told him, I said, look, my son's come up with this copper clean patch program and his over-the-top bucket list is to get one or in all your Trump hotel. He said, hell, Scott, send me the information, which I did. And so we said, Dad, Matt, who's their CEO, Emily, head of the tech, they all want to, can we go meet Eric? I said, absolutely. Well, they all want to go now. <laughs> I said, hell, the more the merrier. So now I'm organizing uh, for Reese and Matt and Emily. And I had to go see Eric and take him some samples of copper clean patch. You know, the reason I brought up the glass ceiling, <clears throat> it's, it's funny because most women, not all of them, because there are some high-ranking executives, mm -hmm. but most women get to about 30. They've worked really, really hard. And it's a family issue more than anything because they realize that they want to have, uh, they want to get married. They want to have kids and they realize that they can't put the hours in. That's where, you know, that's where if there is a glass, if women are paid less than men, that's where it gets factored into because women about 30 years old, they check out. They go to part time. They start working less hours. They've already married a guy that's as successful or more than, than her. So they don't need the money. And that's kind of where you see the women dropping out of like big law firms and stuff. It's not that, the, it's not that these corporations or a hotel business doesn't want to hire a woman because like you said, you know, they're fierce. They're fierce competitors. It's just that to have families, they realize that they can't work those hours. I mean, they've already got, you know, they've got, they've got money most of the time because most women, they don't marry down in social status. They marry where they're at or up. Well, your mom married down. Well, let me give you a classic example of fierce. My daughter, mm -hmm. Renee, mother of two of the most wonderful grandsons a grandfather could ever have, is one of the most incredibly recognized senior executive uh, in Dallas Morning News, 40 under 40. Mm -hmm. She flies around the world putting billion-dollar acquisitions together with Blackstone, the number one uh, private equity group out of New York. Uh, she is fiercely competitive, mm -hmm. phenomenally successful, runs a mergers and acquisition uh, group now for Bay Equities out of San Francisco and lives a mile from me. And... Uh, I mean, she just uh, has got a global network and puts these acquisitions, multi-million dollar acquisitions together, blindfolded. Mm -hmm. And full-time mom, uh, actively involved in church and mm -hmm. all the kids' activities. So it is possible. She, yeah, but she's one in a million. I mean, she's, she's, and there's no telling how many hours, she's probably working 80 hours a week. More than that, maybe. 
she was when you factor in everything that she might be a hundred hours a week but she loves it that's a lot of time what time does she get up every morning it's got to be five o'clock well she called me this morning and said are you on your way to the big home (laughs) i said of course i am i know you're excited mom said you didn't sleep last (laughs) i said i didn't but i mean i look at my wife you know she she's got a business and she's really active in it but the amount of out if you know to 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 raise our kids she kind of works less hours she kind of she'll she'll she's a skincare professional so she'll load a couple days up where she's there all day but before we had kids you know it was five days a week she would work well now it's three days a week but they're full days so um but that you know that's kind of where this glass ceiling but she's i mean my wife she women are scary when when they get in when they get uh not even when they're in power but they don't take no for an answer very easily they do not no does not exist in their vocabulary. <laughs> it does. And we weenies, we have an ego. <laughs> yeah, right. If somebody steps on our ego, we go, oh, man, I'm going to go over and pal. Right. Man, they blow right past us. It's it, it, They really do. I mean, and you're right, too. That ego plays a big factor in it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, just, they're just a different breed. And when you get one that's driven like your daughter, the world is theirs for the taking. Yeah, I mean, she just salivates. To either get in a meeting or get in on the phone with one of these egomaniac right. male senior executives. Run circles around them. And I've been in meetings with her, and I'm so proud. She slices, dices, and cuts <laughs> his balls off, and he doesn't even know he's bleeding to death. <laughs> uh, was, it, was it your piece of advice that said to Jeff, do you know what you do when you're in a room full of millionaires? Yes, it was. You listen. You don't talk. Two ears and one mouth. That's like when I travel with Mr. Hammonds. And, I mean, for example, Scotty, T. Boone's coming up today. He's got a new plane. Go out to the airport and pick him up and let's have lunch. Mm -hmm. The times I got to spend with T. Boone Pickens, I absorbed every ounce. I tried to remember every word. And I got to have lunch with them. Uh-huh. And my recorder, <laughs> which is reeling, listening to these two gentlemen. Uh, is it all business when, they're, when, when these two powerhouses are talking? Is it all business? Is there any cutting up? Oh, there is. And so when you get to that level where it's no longer about money. Mm-hmm. Right. It's about yeah. getting stuff done. Mm-hmm. And these guys don't have to call anybody for permission. <laughs> you know, they'll call the CEO of the bank and say, look, have you sent me my rent check lately? Not, <laughs> can I get a loan? You know, so one of the last times Steve flew up, he said, John, I need a hotel. Well, get your ass up here and let's talk about it. So I go out to the airport, pick him up. He's got his new plane. Now, all these guys at this level have their own planes. Mm-hmm. And they go to Wichita and pick out the colors, the interior. Well, as you gentlemen know, T. Boone had a fabulous ranch not yep. far from here. The interior of his plane were pictures of all his favorite critters off his ranch. <laughs> so he said... 
and we were going to go somewhere to look at something. John, son of a bitch, we're going to take my plane today. You got to see my new critters. <laughs> so we get on the plane, there's him, he goes, damn, what is that? And John Q was never a hunter or a fisherman, and, you know, it'd be a nice buck. Quail. He was big into quail. Yeah. And uh, so it was, yeah, it was a lot of ribbing going on. When when we did the uh, Embassy Suites Outdoor World Bass Pro Shop, mm-hmm. that's when I really got to know Johnny Morris real well. And so we were working on that project, and it was always a big battle between John Q and Johnny Morris about who's playing, because he was corporately headquartered in Springfield also. Who's playing are we going to take to Dallas? And so finally one, one day I told two of them, I said, you two monkeys are about to drive <laughs> me friggin' crazy, you know. Here I'm trying to get this hotel built and done, and Johnny, you want it blue. Mr. Hammond, you want it green. So let me tell you what, guys. If I'm going to live through this project, I'm going to make some decisions and send you a memo. And they would just <laughs> die laughing. Tarwater, you're such a friggin' redneck. <laughs> did, did Johnny Moore start out dirt before, too? You want another story? I'd love to. Johnny's father, bless his soul, was a liquor store owner called the Brown Derby. He had about 10 Brown Derby liquor stores in Springfield, Missouri. He wanted Johnny to be doctor, lawyer, Indian chief. Johnny wanted to be a professional bass fisherman. So, Mr. Morris was not happy that Johnny wasn't going to Stanford to get his law degree. Johnny would be at the local fishing hole meeting local guides, seeing their latest you know, sluggo or worm or rattle trap or uh, whatever the lure was. And he would come back and his sister uh, helped him and he would fashion these latest and greatest lures and he begged his father to give him a display case in one of the Brown Derby uh, liquor stores. So he could display Johnny Morris's latest greatest lures. Well, reputation word got out. Guys liked the lures. Johnny was good at it. He wasn't such a good fisherman, but he was great <laughs> at the lures. And his sister came up with an idea about they had a mimeograph machine in the basement of her house. She said, "You know, let's start a catalog." He said, that's a heck of an idea. So he and his sister started, as you've seen, Bass Pro Mm -hmm. catalogs today, which are phenomenal. Started out in her basement on a mimeograph machine. And he would put them in the envelope, lick the envelope. She would stamp them, and they would send them out to these guys. Fast forward, really started gaining momentum. And Johnny had this vision of a Bass Pro Shop. Mm-hmm. There was an old Motorola uh, TV manufacturing and distributorship building on Glenstone in Springfield. 
that it was his vision to put the first Bass Pro Shop. So he and a bunch of his, and he had some real Yahoo buddies, uh, got a front-end loader, jackhammers and sledgehammers, and went in there and gutted that building. And he and a few friends, metal workshop, uh, Missouri uh, Wildlife Department, started coming up with some ideas of what a Bass Pro Shop would look like. Well, today. So it started out really rough mm-hmm. in the beginning there on Glenstone and has now grown to about 400,000 square feet. And it's the mother load in the beginning of all Bass Pro Shop. went there 30 years ago and it wasn't that... It was it was nice, but it wasn't nothing like you see today. Oh. When you walk into Bass Pro or Cabela's now. I mean, it was nothing like that even. But, yeah. it, but for that time, it was still pretty. Oh, but it reminded me of a warehouse that yeah that had done it. So right, and then they bought Cabela's. They acquired Cabela's. All Bass Pros did. Both well, companies started in a basement. Cabela's boys started tying flies in a basement. And they, right, you need to build a basement for your boys, Andy. No shit. So Johnny teamed up with the Gaylord people at Oklahoma City who funded his initial expansions. And he ensuingly bought them out and then began to pursue more and more and more stores. And uh, Jeff and his my freaking ringtone. That's your mom, because that's one she tells me on. How much? When when does it get beyond money? Is there a certain? Is it once you have a plane? When does it become sport? Because you when know, you look at these guys, that's basically all it is. They don't. You've heard Trump addicted. talk about the art of the deal. Yeah. It becomes. The art of the deal. You know, I often ask Mr. Hammonds, I said, why don't more people do what you, we do? He said, guts, balls, and money. They don't have the guts, they don't have the balls big enough, and they don't have the cash flow. They don't have the money. And uh, Andy, I watched him many occasions. We're sitting with the mayor city councilman, economic development director, and all governors, senators sitting at a table. Sam Walton, too. At a table, and they're going, so, are you going to do this deal? And he said, I damn sure am. It was $100 million, $200 million. They'd go for the oxygen. <laughs> and they'd look at me, and they'd go, I said, gentlemen, as you know, Mr. Hammond's word is his bond, and he's not here to waste your time or our time. When he tells you we're going to do the deal, I'll be back next week to fill in the blanks. And they'd be going, oh, my God. <laughs> can we put out a pre- Yes, you can put out a press release. Uh-huh. Absolutely. We get on the plane, he'll start laughing. He'd look at me and say, 
You better not screw this up, Scotty. <laughs> oh, thanks, Mr. Hammond. No pressure. Uh, What's the biggest one you built? The Sam Walton call. So, Mr. Hammonds, you and Scotty need to get down here. Got something very confidential to tell you. Well, he and Sam had already had some private conversations before I got involved. So it was a 12-minute flight from Springfield to Walmart's private airport in Bentonville. So we get down there, picked up at the airport. We're standing in a 50-acre cow pasture on Highway 71. Mr. Hammonds turns to me and says, Scotty, guess what? And he loved to do this to me. <laughs> I said, oh, shit. What, Mr. Hammonds? He said, you're standing in the entrance in the portico share of the new 400-room Embassy Suites with 125,000-square-foot Sam Walton John Hammonds Convention Center. I said, no shit. <laughs> I looked around. The only thing I could see was about 40 cows, Jeff, chewing their cud. <laughs> so we go over to Walton's executive offices. What the world did not know yet was that Sam Walton had bought all this acreage called Pinnacle Hills. And... Uh, golf course and everything because he was putting out an edict to all of his vendors around the world that they had to have an office and a presence right there. Mm -hmm. And he needed a hotel and a convention center to do two things. To house all these vendors and to have his stockholder shareholder meetings. And we had to build a certain floor with maximum security because his board was made up of the who's who in the world. Mm -hmm. Private elevators, private access, private access, private security. That was one of the more intriguing projects. So that was the biggest one you've done? I guess biggest, yes. Uh, not, not the most exciting, but probably biggest from dollar rooms footage now you built chateau on the lake it, it's at uh, table rock is that the, it's lake como right it's table rock lake you want to hear that story yes beautiful place me and michelle stay there very awesome you put my mom in them stay my family stayed at some of the greatest hotels in the world we used to stay in scott stuff all the time when my kids were little they thought their second home was bass pro shops in grapevine yeah. anyways <laughs> go, go ahead and the suite upstairs too we didn't stay in rooms you we always had an upstairs suite 1208 yep so Mr. Hammonds comes over. Like I said, he loved pulling this on me. It's October. It's cold in Springfield. He says, Scotty, I called Bill. He's bringing the helicopter over. I said, where are we going? He said, we're going to Branson. I said, do I even want to ask why? He said, I'll tell you when we get there. Okay. Colder than the well digger's butt. Get the helicopter. Ride to Branson, land in a miniature golf course parking lot. Guy pulls up in a World War II vintage 
army jeep painted yellow. He's got two teeth in his head. <laughs> Hillbilly, but a great veteran. We get out of the helicopter, and he says, John, son, it's good to see you. I've been chopping us a road up to the top of that mountain for the last two weeks. And I think I'm going to slap us in four-wheel drive, and I'm going to get your ass to the top of your new mountain. And I'm going, oh, crap. <laughs> he turns to me and he said, I didn't tell you, Scotty, I bought a mountain. <laughs> I said, okay, Mr. Hammonds. You know, you're always full of surprises. So now it's beginning, Andy, to sleep horizontally. It's <clears throat> so good. Hammonds is 84 years old at the time. So I wrap him up in a blanket, two blankets, and he's just grinning from ear to ear. Bill Kelly and I jump in the back. Off we go, winding up this machete-cut road with a little bush hogging done up to the top of this mountain. We get up there. The view will take your breath away. I said, okay, what are we going to do here, Mr. Hammonds? He said, Scotty, we're going to do a five-star resort here, and we're going to call it Chateau on the Lake. Wow. I said, oh, really? He said, yep. He said, we're going to go back down to the bottom of the mountain, and I've made a an appointment with the colonel at the Army Corps of Engineers who's going to tell us there's no way in hell we can put a resort here because he's the Army Corps of Engineers and yada da da da. What he doesn't know is I've already called his boss in DC. <laughs> so we get over there, sure enough. This pompous little colonel comes rolling in the table and he says, I know who you are and I want I know what you want to do and I'm telling you, you can't do it you'd have to shave 50 feet off that mountain. He said, yeah, I know who you are too, Buckwheat. <laughs> he said, Scott, Bill, call the boys. Tell them to get the dynamite. We're going to shave 50 feet off that mountain. We left that guy sitting there. He was so puckered and pissed. <laughs> Ensuingly, we shaved 50 feet off that mountain, developed one of the most unique resorts in the world called the Chateau on the Lake. In the middle of it, he calls Bill Killian and I, the general contractor, and he said, hey guys, I was talking to Johnny Morris. I thought, oh no. You know what would really be cool, we thought, is to have his artisan make a I think the circumference of the tree was like 20 feet around and 60 feet high. Man-made with critters on it and drop it in the top of the atrium around the waterfalls to make it look natural. I said, oh, no problem. <laughs> Bill, <laughs> don't close that atrium up yet. <laughs> 
Can you get a crane big enough? He said, we always make it work, Scott. So. That's how the tree got there. So, we get to the meeting rooms. Scotty. Little do you know, I've hired an artist to paint 40-foot murals on each section of the ballroom of famous castles in Europe. So when you go to the Chateau on the Lake, in all of each one of these segments of the convention center is a hand-painted mural of various castles in Europe. Wow. And then we get it open. It's just, I mean, we were were talking to bankers, lawyers, and funding sources about putting a five-star resort in Branson, nowhere, Missouri at the time. No airport, no nothing. And the first few bankers said, John, we love doing business with you, but this makes no sense. He said, boys, let me tell you something. You don't fund this, I'll never do another nickel's worth of business with you again. And some of them turned us down, only to return later begging for more business. Mr. Hammond looked at him and said, it's never going to happen. You remember what I told you. Scotty, shoot him at sunrise. <laughs> now, after a couple of years it's open, he said, you know what I think would really be great? I said, what's that, Mr. Hammond? He said, let's do one of those exclusive spas there and add it onto the chateau. I said, well, I've not done a spa before. He said, ah, you can learn. (laughs) Take Donna. She knows about that stuff. And you and Donna go figure out how to do it. So we designed, with Donna's help, a 14,000-square-foot two-story spa with bamboo floors and a Swarovski crystal chandelier where the waters drop from pearl to pearl and change color. I don't even want to tell you. What that puppy cost. Why the bamboo floors for someone that's not a spa guy? Because it's soft on the sole. Okay. It Sound is. Like I've got bamboo in my, that's the flooring I've got in my, uh, my bedroom. And look I'm at, shocked. Look how soft his sole. Yeah, my yeah. soles are soft now. I did, I did not know that, though. That's why I asked. I mm-hmm. didn't know it either when I bought it. I just knew it felt good. Oh. Both for the soles of your feet and your personal sole. I'll be dang. That's why I sleep so well in that, my room. You know, we stayed there, I don't know, it was one of the last times I got drunk. Me and Michelle crashed a wedding. Never crashed a wedding. We didn't crash a wedding. We crashed a wedding uh, reception. Reception. Oh, we had fun. I was a, I was, I was a big hit. I had 10 <laughs> Facebook friends made after that thing. Just guys that just met me, and we sat at a bar, and I visited and drank with them. That's a very be- that's a beautiful hotel. Thank you. That, that's a beautiful hotel. My favorite hotel that I stayed at because I had so many memories was at the Bass Pro Shop with the boys. Sure. Lots of good times. I had that was because I'm from Grapevine. My relative settled in Grapevine in 1890, and been in business on Main Street in Grapevine since 1905. And where Lake Grapevine is, that's our old family farm. We used to farm all that mm-hmm. prior to it being Lake Grapevine. Now, did you you have a hotel there now on your old family stuff? 
getting ready to. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, uh, Bill Tate, mayor there for 43 years now, and I grew up together on Main Street. We were street urchins. I mean, his dad knew that, his dad was the mayor prior to that, knew we were going to end up in reform school, <laughs> and uh, he was almost positive that and used to knock us around all the time. So when I called Bill, who's a big sportsman, he would love to be sitting right here. And he is just a phenomenal guy. So when I called Bill and said, hey, I'm going to bring John Q and Johnny Morris to town. We want to do a hotel there out on the prairie in North Airport. And it's going to be special to me, Bill, because... It's my hometown. He said, bring the boys on. Let Scotty, whatever you need, we'll get it done. And he was every inch of the way. I mean, one of these city bureaucrats would stick their head up and come up with some objection about something. He would chop it off <laughs> before sunrise. Johnny Morrison, John Q said, damn, <laughs> we have never seen a project go this smooth. I said, that's Bill Tate. He controls his council. He knows how to get it done. So the repayment for that was, Bill called me and said, Scotty, I got these guys that want to put a hotel on the lake called the Gaylord. Do you know those guys? I said, sure, Bill. We know him very well. Will you help me put this deal together? I said, of course I will. So 1,650 rooms later and 400,000 square feet of meeting space, you got the Gaylord Texan. That's a cool place, too. That's a big place. That was originally going to be a wet and wild theme park. Well, they made the right choice on that (laughs) deal. You got the Great Wolf Lodge right across the street, so. You know where, have you ever played the Grapevine Municipal Golf Course. I played there a long time ago. I'll tell you that story. Hold that, on just a minute. Andy's wife's calling. Why isn't she calling me? Hey. Do I get to meet her? Jesse. I don't know. Hey. Sounds like chaos. Call your mom. Call your wife. Andy's going to call you. Sorry, Scott. Go on about the, the Gaylord. Is that what you're about to say? I'm going to tell you about the golf course right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Are you going to invite your wife to come eat lunch? If so, you need to order something from Bud's for them. I wondered about that earlier why you didn't do that. I would love to be able to meet her. Okay. So the Grapevine Municipal Golf Course was a bird sanctuary. Was a bird sanctuary? Okay. So Bill calls me and he said, Scotty, how about let's do an 18-hole golf course there? I said, yeah, why not, Bill? So, he said, well, let's go meet with the Army Corps of Engineers and go through the whole crap. So we did. Got approval. He said, now we need a uh, architect and a golf pro to help us design the course. He said, I picked out a couple guys, and I want you to go with me to Trophy Club. I said, okay, who are we meeting with? He said, Lord Byron Nelson and Joe Fingers. So that started my relationship 
with Lord Byron Nelson. Very, very interesting. So we worked out the walk, that whole swamp, that whole area there, personally with Bill and I did with Byron and Joe Fingers. They were laying it out. We were just going, "Uh uh-huh, okay, sure, yeah, right. And so flash forward. Now it's inaugural day for the first inaugural round of the Grapevine Municipal Golf Course. I'm the MC for the program. And Bill and I have the honor, and I've got the picture to show you. I don't know whether I brought it with me or not. We played the inaugural round on that golf course with Lord Byron Nelson. That's amazing. Amazing, amazing. You also was an MC for, didn't you introduce George W. Bush somewhere one time? Yeah. At the, Where was that? It was at the, uh, when he was getting the Republican Party nomination. And you introduced him. That is amazing. Not bad for a boy from Grapevine, huh? Hayseed. I'm telling you, Scott. You know everybody or have met everybody. You've just met a lot of really interesting people. So tell us what you're doing now today. Besides being a grandparent. My full-time job is uh, bringing more people to know Jesus Christ. That's a great thing to do. My second part-time job, and most important, is being a grandfather to three grandsons and two granddaughters and trying to keep Donna in line, (laughs) (laughs) which is an unbelievably full-time job. I'm blessed with two of the greatest kids a father could have. And uh, on the side, I just started a new company called Pivot Pivot Technologies. And that is incorporating all of the COVID pathogen details we've been talking about to pour into new developments, office, mixed-use development, and hotels. I teamed with my architect, longtime architect, who is a world-class. He has designed and developed some of the most amazing resorts around the world. And country boy from Amarillo, name of Randy Huggins, over the top. And with our lighting engineer, who is the UV lighting expert in the world, and we formed Pivot Technologies along with Donna and our respective wives. And uh, we're developing ground-up hotels. And COVID-19 hit. And so Lakeside Crossing, just north of Bass Pro, doing a 12-acre mixed-use development there next to my old family farm, office, retail, townhomes, hotel. Seven stories, rooftop lounge. Boutique, Indigo, Boutique brand by IHG, parent company of Holiday Inns. So, COVID-19 hits. They're going, oh, my Lord, we got to rethink food service, guest service, yada, da, da, da. So, Randy and I and Andy, our other partner, had already been discussing with our general contractor, who's done many hotels for me. What is the, what are new hotels going forward with this pathogen going to look like? 
what are the brands going to react? So now the brands have come up with this brilliant idea of chemically fogging all the rooms to disinfect them. And I sent on a number of brand, hotel brand, operations and marketing boards. Well, Mr. Tarwater, what do you think about our electrostatic chemical fogging program? I said, it's the dumbest damn thing <laughs> I've heard. You know, we had a feeling, A, you wouldn't mix your words, and B, you'd tell us what. I said, look, guys, you build this chemical residue in these hotel rooms up over the years, 50% of our guests are allergic to that crap. Mm-hmm. So we have put Pivot Technologies together, and we now have a unit that you can put in each guest room, plug it in the wall in 20 minutes, goes 360 degrees throughout the room, kills 99.9% of all known pathogens. Wow. You plug it in the bathroom, same thing. With a chemical bombing, you have to wait 24, 48 hours. Right. This is instantaneous, no chemicals, non-polluting. And then for all the copper, all the touch points, we're using copper clean. Well, Holiday Inn Branson, well, wait a minute. By God, we want to do that. I said, well, get in line. <laughs> Will you come to Atlanta and bring Randy in? And we've been there many times. And so we're doing a Marriott in Roanoke. Marriott says, wait a minute. I said, get in line. <laughs> so This is a big, this is well, a. Why don't we just sell them retail though too? To me, so everybody would want them in their homes too. Correct. We're getting to that. Get in okay. line. At two o'clock today, I have a conference call with the inventor, patent holder of the UV lighting program that f- fixes in a elevator cab that and it's control when the doors open people get off doors close light comes on cleans 99.6% of all pathogens door opens people get on light goes off mm-hmm. works 24 7 365 days a year no chemicals no employees, doesn't get sick, doesn't sue you, <laughs> doesn't go to HR, doesn't pull bonehead shit. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, um, we fished a long time ago in the Boundary Waters, I, was, I don't know, 10 years ago or something, and they had the light, these lights that you put in your water and yeah. it kills everything in there. Or you can filter it through a process that takes forever. and Boil it. It's kind of, same kind of technology, it I is. guess. It is. It's been around forever. It's just that... Uh, these brain, hotel brand brainiacs take the path of least resistance. Let's nuke them all and <laughs> chemical bomb it. That's bullshit. That's 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 an amazing deal. And Donna went. I'm not going to stay in a room and bring my grandkids. Bombed. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mama Bear. Yeah. She ain't going to put up with that crap for their grandkids. Has it gotten harder to build a hotel as the years have gone since your first? hotel to now i mean is it just, is there so much more red tape that you have to break through and hurdles to jump yes and no andy what there's a hell of a lot more red tape 
because communities think they need to save themselves from these carpet-bagging, greedy developers that want to come in, rape, pillage, and plunder Mm -hmm. everything. So it's all a state of mind. I know going in what they're going to say, when they're going to say it. They're all civil servant peckerheads (laughs) that I'm going to deal with. They've never had a job that they've had a, a payroll. They work nine to five. It's all black and white. Mm-hmm. And when someone who colors completely outside of the box, like Tarwater comes in, he absolutely freaks them out. Because I don't reckon, no is not in my vocabulary. And I know that they come to work in the morning, their wife may have kicked them out of bed early, pissed them off, mm-hmm. so they got a chip on their shoulder, and this developer named Tarwater comes in, and he wants to angle the building a different way, and it's my job to explain to him, that ain't never going to happen. I'd love to have those guys for breakfast. <laughs> what? A couple of hotel stats. What's the statistics of people that stay at a hotel because of the free breakfast? I don't ever use we. I never have the free breakfast at a hotel. We either get up before, after it's it's been late traveling and we leave later, or we leave before it happens. We just or don't have time for it. What is what's the stats on that? Of those that consume or appreciate yes. the yes. opportunity, yes, we measure that by intent to return. I know this, Embassy Suites. Mm-hmm. You know, I helped develop that brand. So when we came up with the concept of free, full, cooked, order breakfast, all of my non-embassy buddies went, Starwater, you guys are absolutely, that'll never work. That's the craziest thing. Now, it's an industry brand standard. Yes. Yeah. So we were called crazy then. Now they're all going, well, maybe that was a pretty damn good idea the intent to return it's the top amenity in the guest mind especially a family with 2.3 children now let me give you this embassy suites full cooked order breakfast cost my cost two dollars and fifty cents the perceived value in the consumer's mind, $20 per person. Wow. That's interesting. That's a good part. Family of five, it's a $100 value. Yeah. Mama never forgets that. When you get the family by mama, you got them for life. <laughs> so it costs y'all $12.50 if people partake in it. Yeah. If. And, 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 and what's the, the percentage of people that don't partake that still? 50%. So half the people don't even use it anyways. But. I've been on some school trips when we were chaperones and stuff like Disney World and crap. We always stayed at a hotel that had free breakfast because for the kids, it's better. But, you know, like let's say you go to Cracker Barrel. It's not a high-dollar breakfast, but it's a good breakfast. And But if you take bucks. five people in there to eat, it's going to cost $75. 75 or 100 bucks. Easily for five people. But maybe not 100 because it's not real expensive. But, but, but still... In your mind, that's what they're thinking. That's a very good point. And what you about, didn't have to get out. You didn't have to fight traffic yeah. to get to the Cracker Barrel. You could just go down to the lobby. Your breakfast is right there. But I always so, got to fight the guy for the fucking waffle machine that pisses me off. Well, think about it this way, too. Is with the setting there, you can be selective. If you want a banana and an apple, so be it. 
Mm-hmm. You want a bowl of cereal? So be it. You want to fight through the waffle line? So be it. You want eggs? Okay. It's your decision. The psychographics of that tells us that whether you're Bob Peon or Mr. Executive, time is money. So my friends at Marriott called me and said, Tarwater, you morons, you're coming up with this. Where'd you come up with this free breakfast? I said, well, you morons at Marriott, look at this. I'm a time time and geographic sensitive executive. If I come down to the lobby of a Marriott hotel and I'm blowing and going 1,000 miles an hour, I turn my schedule over to Sally, the hostess. Mm -hmm. Sally may or may not have had a good day, and she may or may not seat me in a timely manner, and she may seat me next to a squalling brat, and so I can't. So now comes Susie, the waitress. Susie wants to visit. I don't have time to visit. So now I've turned my complete schedule over to the waitress. So now she may or may not take the order in an expeditious manner. And now she turns it over to a cook in the kitchen. And he may or may not get to it in a timely manner. And now (laughs) I turn my schedule back over to the waitress who may or may not get my check in a timely manner. And now she turns my schedule over to the cashier if she can find her. <laughs> so you control your own destiny. You get you're more control of your own schedule. That's all it is. What, what about the afternoon drinks? Because NBC also did that because, and that's a, you know they 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 hook you in and then when they turn the line off then you're buying your drinks. Bingo. And so it don't cost you much to give people free drinks because most people have a beer anyways or a drink. It costs less for cocktails than it does for breakfast. But here again. In the mind of the consumer, it's a $20 value. Oh, easy. Yeah. What's fun, well, it's funny, it's funny when you're sitting there and you see them guys trying to slam down them. That last well, second uh, beer. Uh, they try, they'll, they'll try to grab eight drinks real quick and try to get drunk before I'm getting my money's worth. <laughs> it's kind of like an all-inclusive in Mexico. They All your drinks are included. Yeah. Well, how many people do you know that drink a bottle of Crown Roll a day? No, you know here's the deal. They get a massive hangover. The fr- They don't want any more Crown Royal or tequila for the next six days because they've just thrown their toenails up. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we were in Mexico 30 years ago. Me and Tony, about 30 of us went down there, and there were some high school kids there. And this high school kid, well, he was a, he was a, he was the class drunk. You could tell, had the cigarette going, and I'm on drink for four days straight. And Tony sat down. He said, my friend, do you mind if I drink with you? If you think you can keep up. Tony said, well, bring us some tequila shooters. Oh, and Tony, no. Tony threw about four tequila shooters down this kid. This is probably four or five o'clock in the afternoon. By nine o'clock at night, we didn't see that kid. He we didn't see him shooting. for three days. Yeah, <laughs> he was fucked up big time. Cost him every it. his whole vacation. Yeah, that whole. Spilled. Yep, inclusive drink. But he drink. was going to drink them under the table. By God, I can do this stuff. Well, four days of drink. Oh yeah, he was done. Made it an afternoon. <laughs> yeah, he looked like the kid off Caddyshack that you see the the grandson who drinks the drink and's got the cigarette butt in it and throws up in the card. Looked just like that kid. The old glasses and shit. But he was. What what are the touch points? I'm interested in that. What are the 26 touch points in a hotel? Front door. Uh-huh. Elevator. Yep. Elevator button. Door handle. Thermostat. Ah. Faucet. 
Wouldn't have thought of that. The, the thermostat. Commode handle. Eesh. I don't, sure. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to touch anything. I'm going to Vegas in 10 days. I'm not going to touch anything. I'm already scared to go. My partner, Randy Huggins, uh-huh. has designed more hotels and more resorts in Las Vegas than any other architect in the world. And he's just completing a new restaurant on the Strip in Vegas. It's an $18 million restaurant that'll seat 100 people serving $800 to $1,000 steaks. How much? What are they, gold dipped or something? That is the gold dip? Gold gold dust. You know what? You're talking about over the top for absolutely, that's that's ridiculous. Vegas. I was just thinking, the other day I watched Andrew Zimmerman was in Minnesota or Miami and he ate a steak and it was a $500 steak. Yeah. And I told Michelle, I said, that's how you pay for them joints right there. They're buying a a good quality steak for probably 50 to $75 and they're charging $500 for it. That's a, so a thousand dollar steak. I can imagine what a bottle of wine must cost at that place. Five, $600. Hey, very many hunting outfitters eating there. I'm telling you right now, Scott, where are you staying? Uh, well, we were going to stay at the Mirage. We're going with, uh, my cousin and his wife. And since Corona, uh, they're only opening Mirage isn't going to open until July, so they've moved my cousin and them to the Bellagio. They moved us to MGM. Y'all kind of got screwed on that deal. So I ne- I was going to talk to you after we wrap here to figure out how the hell we can freaking because ju- they're not letting us move to the Bellagio. We'll get Randy on the phone. Okay. I'm going to tell you about old Scott. I have stayed in some really nice properties of his, and I've also stayed in hotels that he had nothing to do with, but he knew someone. Right. We've stayed in Portland, Maine. We've stayed in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We've stayed everywhere in the United States you can think of. And the only time I wanted to kill him was one time we stayed at the Biltmore in Arizona. Yep. And freaking, they had a, <laughs> they had, do you remember that, Andy? Yeah, you had to go down Camelback Road. They had to get Camelback Road, and they had a shooting in their street. Oh, it was freaking, I told Michelle, <laughs> I said, Scott's always put us in good places. And I said, this is a nice place, but I said, I'm freaking scared to death to get out of some bitch. Well, it was just a drive. We, we took a bad route from oh, the stadium oof. to the hotel. It Phoenix wasn't. goes from nice to bad oh, very fast. Very quickly yeah. on one road. But yeah. but we've tried to get, and everybody just keeps telling us, no, it's not possible. So we don't even know who to talk to. To Anytime I go anywhere, I'll call Scott to ask him about places if it's somewhere we've never been. We're now getting where we stay when we go like on the East Coast. I try to get rid of a house on the beach or something just because it's so different. Let me ask you, has Airbnb really hurt the hotel business? No. It hasn't at all? No. They're they're, uh, hurting big time. Airbnbs are hurting right now? COVID and more local communities are now clamping down because they don't meet fire code standards oh okay it makes lots of sense more and more fires and deaths that are happening by these out of control parties in these places yeah and they're racking up death after death after death it makes sense i like staying in a, ho- a nice hotel i like room service a bar downstairs you can go to i like that now we stayed in south carolina at airbnb 
and the people in the neighborhood now, now don't go, don't go walk down the lake base basically don't tell anybody that you're renting a house here on the mm-hmm. lake because we don't want no, our neighbors to know the homeowners the association. homeowners association but that's we had that on the deal please don't go down there yeah. and you know if you're there tell them you're on 1304 Edith Street don't tell them you're over here on our street I mean so but I didn't I didn't think about the safety aspect of cars it. out front were a big deal they yeah. wanted cars nope. pulled in if you could it was just you could tell it was a little under shade a little shady and under the wraps. Well, Scott, I know we've taken up a lot of your time. Michelle's going to have lunch here pretty soon. We appreciate you so much. You've been family. We've we've spent. We didn't touch on Thanksgiving. Scott cooked dinner up here for years. We had fa- the your, the boys would come here and the ladies would go shopping. So Scott spent many Thanksgivings. And I'm going to tell you, when y'all quit coming up there, when you people people in our in our business, people change because the kids the, the kids grow up and life changes. But Scott was here for a long time, and then all of a sudden, y'all didn't come no more. Your kids got older, went to college and stuff. Y'all moved to Springfield. And when that happened, Michelle started having to cook Thanksgiving again. Because <laughs> well, she was like, boy, Scott. Because we'd do it at the lodge, and there'd be 40, 50, 60 people here at Thanksgiving dinner at absolutely. the lodge. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, the great thing about it is I've got a whole new generation with your blessing that I want to yes. introduce to the big honker, Pierce Tarwater, Paisley Tarwater. Jackson and Carson, and uh, they. I was talking to Reese on the way out here. I mean, it was just nonstop reminiscing. They can't wait to come. They've heard so many stories about, and they. Donna, Dee Dee, and I'm Bebop or Bob. Have you told him the story about Reese spending his Thanksgiving break out here? Oh yeah, with uh, uh, what was that? They were drinking. Uh, uh, Tony, Tony, this is one of the best stories ever. What was that? Ye- Jägermeister. Jägermeister. Goldschlager. Tony, Tony and Dave Reese were scouting, and they stopped at the liquor store. Yeah. And Reese was, was he 15, 16 years old? And he wanted to spend, he kept, they, y'all come up here every weekend, and Reese he, wanted to stay. And he goes, Dad, can I stay up there with them He wanted to learn how to be a guy. Yeah. So I said, he's not going to hurt us, Scott. So he stayed with us. At the lodge, and me and Michelle lived in town. And Tony called me; they were scouting. Tony goes, "We got a problem." I go, "What's that?" He goes, "Reese got into the gold slogger when we were scouting." I go, "What do you mean?" He's like, Tony said, "He's passed out in the truck." Well, I was pissed at Tony. I said, "Boy, Scott is going to be madder than hell." So I'll never forget this. Tony was it? Did you carry him or did I carry him? One of us carried him fireman style through the room, and we somebody asked us a question. We spun <laughs> around, and it was like a comedy. Reese's head hit the freaking door jam, boom! And he, we put him in bed, and y'all weren't coming up till late that night, right? And he, and he woke up before y'all got there, and he's and he's drunk. You know that fucking kid drinking the room, spinning and shit, and he goes. He's about to cry. He goes, did, did, did you tell Uncle Dave I drank today? I said, yeah, Uncle Dave and your dad. No, I don't care about my dad. I just don't want Uncle Dave to be disappointed in me. <laughs> Isn't that something? Yeah, he threw his toenails up. I don't think he's touched another drop of that shit oh. since then, Tony. But that was a – but I'll never forget. I called you, Scott. So we got Reese drank a little bit up here tonight. And he's like, hey, he'll learn less than the hard way. And I think, he, I think the great did. news about he was with guys who loved him. And we're going to take. Care oh of yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was not real happy with. Yeah, Tony, Tony's innocent there. The yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, Scott, we love you. We appreciate you Thank being you. on here so much. Thank you for being part of. You've been. We could have gone on all day. Yeah, we got all kinds of stories. You've been here for almost thirty years, and I appreciate it very much. And we look forward to. Hopefully, we both have another thirty years left. Love you all. All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate everybody for listening to you. God bless y'all, and ha- have a great day and great weekend. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.